You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from two places. First, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, I'll be reading verses 44 through 48, and that is on page 200, or 122 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along with today's reading. Then Jesus said to them, These are the very things I told you about while I was still with you. Everything written about me and the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets and the Psalms had to come true. Then Jesus opened the disciples' minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, This is what is written, The Messiah must suffer and must rise from death three days later. And then in, the, in his name, the message about repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I, will send, and I myself will send upon you what my Father has promised. But you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down upon you. And then from the book of Acts in chapter 1, I'll be reading verses 6 through 9, and this is on page 158 in your pew Bibles, again, if you'd like to follow along. When the apostles met together when, with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at, at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus said to them, The times and occasions are set by my Father's own authority, and it is not, it is not for you to know when they will be. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up to heaven as they watched him, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together. Amen. So our confirmation class has reached my favorite lessons that I will teach them over the next couple of years. We are digging into John Wesley and the founding of the United Methodist, though the Methodist movement, which became the United Methodist Church. And on Sunday, I introduced the class to several classic words from our history. Words like the Holy Club and the Aldersgate Experience, and the Christmas Conference, and Circuit Riders. And rather than just introducing the words to them by telling them the words and then talking about them, I introduced them to those words by playing a game. We played Methodist Balderdash. If you're familiar with the game Balderdash, you know what we did, but what we did was I had the confirmation class write what they thought those words meant, and then we just sprinkled in the true definition, and the point of Balderdash is to make the group believe your definition, even if it is not the right one. I have to tell you that the kids thought a lot more about the Holy Club uh, than I would care to, uh, than, than I thought that they did. Uh, one of the responses said, it's a place where pastors go to party. I'm not saying they're wrong. <laughs> I can get behind the idea of a holy club. 
The answers were all amazing and quite amusing. One of the confirmands decided to write definitions that were so technical, the group was confident that he had cheated by using Google. He didn't. He was wrong, but he sounded confident. But going in blind to these words, I understand how they had a hard time grasping and sometimes even guessing the right definition. Because the reality is, is that we don't talk a lot about Aldersgate, and we don't talk a lot about the Christmas conference. We don't talk a lot about, you know, circuit riders, even though there are still circuit riders serving the United Methodist Church today. And maybe, just maybe, I'm not quite certain our conversation led us to a sense of deeper understanding. And maybe, just maybe, the second coming of the Holy Club is going to come out of this confirmation class. The same problem that we had in our confirmation class on Sunday is the same problem that we have with the words that we're going to demystify today as we continue this journey of demystifying Christian jargon. Today we're talking about evangelism and talking about evangelicalism, and the problem, one of the problems is that we don't talk a lot about those words because those words tend to have some baggage. When we hear the word evangelism, when we, hear, when we hear the word evangelicalism, a mental image starts to come to mind. And part of that mental image is the men and women with earnest hearts who want nothing more than to make Jesus known. The problem is, is that part of that mental image is also the scams and cons that people have run in the name of Jesus and the ways that they have gotten away with them. Evangelicalism has the same but a different problem, and that's the problem that it is just so hard to define. What is evangelicalism? Church historian George Marsden said that in the 50s and 60s, evangelicalism just simply meant someone that liked Billy Graham. That was enough to be defined as an evangelical, if you liked Billy Graham. And so with that definition, someone asked Billy Graham what he thought an evangelical was, and his answer was basically to go ask somebody else. We don't know what the word means. We have a hard time defining the word, and so it starts to take on a life of its own. It ends up meaning everything and nothing all at the same time. We can use the word evangelical to talk about a megachurch. And we can use the word evangelical to talk about a political voting block. The question becomes, are those the right answers? The question becomes, is that the real definition or is that just what we think? Is that right? Or put it a different way, is that just someone's balderdash? Are the definitions that we hear of evangel evangelism and evangelicalism, are those the right definitions? Or is that just simply someone trying to convince us of their own definition? 
And so as we look for definition, let us look again, as we have over the past couple of weeks, to the pocket dictionary of theological terms from my friend and former professor, not my former professor, he was at Sioux Falls Seminary long before I was, but Stanley Grenz. Stanley Grenz writes that evangelism and evangelicalism are a set of terms that come from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news, and that's what we get, where we get the word gospel from. In the general sense, these words are characterized by a concern for the essential core of the Christian message. In a general sense, these words are about salvation in the person and work of Jesus. And evangelicalism, as it's defined, is a transdenominational and intentional movement that emphasized the need for personal conversion through the belief in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. At the most basic sense of these words, evangelism is the act of sharing our faith. And evangelicalism, at its heart, outside of the rest of the balderdash of what that word has come to mean, evangelicalism is a movement across denominational lines of people who are passionate about evangelism. Without the rest of what that word means, I have no problem telling you that I am an evangelical. I believe in sharing the good news of Jesus with a world that needs to hear it. I believe that the act of sharing our faith is a good and a right and an important part of a vital faith in Jesus Christ. I am, among other things, I am an evangelical. And evangelism, and thus evangelicalism, has its roots planted firmly in our scripture for this morning. As Jesus and his disciples gathered for one last time, Jesus gave them these words, and Jesus gave them this challenge. In the name of the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the message about repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached must be proclaimed. We have to tell someone. And the disciples were the witnesses that Jesus commissioned to these things. The disciples were the witnesses to all of Jesus' ministry. And here and now, as Jesus is preparing to depart from their presence, Jesus commissions them to go and to tell all that they had seen and heard, to go and to tell all that they had done and experienced. These were the ones who were called to witness and to witness to the truth. And the truth is, is that these disciples knew Jesus personally. These disciples ate and drank with him. These disciples watched him perform miracles and signs and wonders. And these disciples even served in his name. The things that these disciples had experienced during their time with Jesus would become the foundation of their proclamation. And their ongoing experiences would just be an added part of their witness. 
their faith sharing was based on what they had experienced with Jesus. But the end of Jesus' ministry, the end of Jesus' life, was a start of a new adventure for these disciples. The book of the Acts of the Apostles, where our second reading came from this morning, is dedicated to the story of how these disciples took Jesus' word to heart and how they evangelized, how they shared their faith, and how they inspired others to take up the same mantle. From that day with Jesus until the day of Pentecost, when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, until the day of their deaths, the disciples lived out Jesus' words. You will be witnesses. Starting in Jerusalem, right where they were when Jesus said those words, and then to the regions of Judea and Samaria, the regions directly next to them, and then to the ends of the earth. And as with all of Jesus' words to his disciples, these words are for all who would become his disciples. Just as the original disciples were called to proclaim the good news, so too are we. Just as the disciples were called to share the good news of Jesus, so too are we. Amen? We are called to share the good news. What I find so interesting is that sometimes we mystify evangelism ourselves in order to get ourselves off the hook. We mystify evangelism ourselves in order to get off the hook. We say things like, I have no idea what I would even say. When Jesus told the disciples to share from their own experiences, their own personal and lived experiences, and do we not have our own personal and lived experiences with Jesus? We say things like, I don't know the Bible well enough in case there is a follow-up question. Fair. But did the disciples... The disciples did not understand what they thought of as Scripture, which is our Old Testament, until Jesus opened up the Scriptures in their minds. And I don't know, I think knowing Jesus, the literal Word of God, the Word of God made flesh, I think knowing Jesus is enough for us. Or we say things, and this one hits right at my heart because I've said this myself, we say things like my story is not exciting enough to be compelling. I thought that I was off the hook forever for evangelism because my story of faith is super boring. I was adopted by my parents. I was raised in the church. I went to church camp and someone said, accept Jesus as your Savior. And I said, amen. That's it. Been following Jesus ever since. The disciples have boring stories too. Jesus came to the disciples, saw them in the midst of their work, a lot of them fishing, one of them tax collecting, and said, come follow me, and they did. That's it. 
a boring faith story does not let you off the hook for evangelism. Because your boring story may be just the story that someone else needs to hear. Is there power in the big and the dramatic? Absolutely. But is there power in the simple and mundane? Absolutely. Evangelism can look like pastors standing in a pulpit and proclaiming the good news. Evangelism can look like missionaries who go forth into the world to teach about Jesus. Evangelism can look like neighbors who invite people to coffee and share their faith one-on-one. Evangelism can look like kids telling their friends all that they learned during Chi Alpha. Evangelism looks like writers writing blog posts and articles and Bible studies that point people to Jesus. Evangelism looks like all of us. Evangelism looks like all of us. Evangelism looks like all of us. As long as we feel a passion for reaching those who have not yet been reached by the good news of Jesus Christ. It makes for a very boring round of balderdash. But once we understand the word evangelism and the word evangelicalism, once we understand what is at the heart of those words, it leads us to greater understanding. It leads us to further acceptance. It leads us to realize that Jesus leaves very little wiggle room when it comes to sharing our faith. In his commentary on this passage, theologian Daryl Bach wrote these words, The Gospel of Luke closes with disciples who are ready to obey the call of Jesus and to do so with joy. The book of the Acts of the Apostles show them still doing so. And we should emulate that thrill of mission today. We should emulate that thrill of sharing our faith today. Would you pray with me? Loving Jesus, we give you thanks for the ways that you've made yourself known to us. We give you thanks for our personal experiences of you and the way that they inspire us to live. Help us to take the next hard step into sharing our story into sharing our experience, into sharing our faith so that the world may know of your love and care. You've given us a story to tell, a story of your goodness. And so inspire us to proclaim forth our praise in the way that you live in and through us. May we embrace the thrill of mission that your disciples lived. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, 
songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe. <laughs>